Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. You are listening to the Bird Calls on the Sports Drink Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search the Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Pelicans fans, welcome to another edition of The Bird Calls. I am David Grubb, and joining me is Editor-in-Chief of TheBirdRights.com, the one and only Ali Cosell. Ali, good morning. How are you? Good morning, buddy. I'm doing well. Um, glad we're past the trade deadline, though. I'll, I'll be honest with you. All this Lonzo talk, especially over the previous 48 hours before the deadline, he's going here, he's going there, and all the speculation was driving me crazy. So I was trying to avoid social media. Yeah, I was I was kind of the same. I just didn't care until I heard something definitive. Right. Until I heard, you know, saw Lonzo Ball has been traded. I didn't want to hear about any conversations. I didn't want to see any more fake trades. Uh, it was either look, in my mind, it no longer made sense to try to make that deal. It just didn't make sense because you weren't going to get the return that you wanted. And if you want to move him, the offseason is still the best because I believe the other team will allow a sign and trade because if teams were willing to trade for him now, there's still things they're willing to give up in the offseason. If you, if the Pelicans decide they don't want him. Right. I mean, when you just heard some of the uh, rumors and what was possibly coming back New Orleans way, man, turned me off quicker than anything. And Lori Markinen probably was the best single asset. And I'll tell you what, he's a step down, maybe two steps down for me from what, Lonzo Ball gives this existing core over what marketing could provide. Because, I mean, how, how can you imagine inserting him into the lineup if you still have Steven Adams around? What, you're moving Zion then to a three? So, I mean, it, it just would have been way too clunky. clunky. And then you would have also had to pay him. He's in the exact same boat as Lonzo. He's seeking a new contract this coming summer, and he's probably searching somewhere in the same neighborhood. So didn't make any sense for me. But, I, like I said, I'm glad. And he doesn't make your defense any better either. What was that? He doesn't make the defense any better either. No, it actually gets worse. Somehow, yes. I think that probably is possible that it would get worse, David. No, it and, absolutely would. Uh, all of a sudden, would. you lose the passing, the connection. You know, you've got two all-star scores on the team. So you need players who are willing to just take a back seat. And from what I remember with Laurie, when he kind of had a, you know, not even a secondary role, when he was not a one or two or maybe even a three score uh, before Billy Donovan arrived, where he was just told to hang out on the corners. Man, his production, it was terrible, right? He didn't seem involved at all. Rebounding wasn't there. Defense was even worse than usual. 
So what kind of role would he get here? And he's not going to be no one, number one or two option in New Orleans. So there's nothing that signaled to me, hey, that's maybe the way they should go. No. So the Pelicans made one move, and um, it was one that was necessary for, for all parties. Um, uh, I think J.J. Redick uh, and, you know, J.J. Redick and Nicola Melli go to Dallas. The Pelicans get James Johnson. And um, um, I'm sorry. Uh, um, say his name, Ali. Wesley Iwundu. Wesley Iwundu, excuse me, from uh, Dallas in exchange. Um, I like the trade. I do think JJ, I like the trade for the Pelicans. I like that JJ gets to leave because he wanted to leave. Um, I'm, I just, the Pelicans did what was best for them, but I just wish this had worked out better for JJ. Well, yeah, and, and I think that's why they waited until the deadline. Why two months prior to yesterday's deadline, there was rumors that, hey, we're trying to get him to the Northeast. And there was like three teams on the list. Obviously, didn't work out. So I'm I'm very happy that, honestly, that he at least got shipped down a deal instead of a buyout, David, that the Pelicans got an actual asset, right? The Dallas 2021 second round pick. I didn't think that was honestly going to happen. And from the word I had received for the last few weeks, he was definitely going to hit the buyout market. So, like I said, this was great. And, hey, I don't know if James Johnson, Wesley, Wundu will even get any kind of rotation mess. Maybe even you could foresee James Johnson getting a buyout, right? You've seen that where veterans come over from a playoff team to a non-playoff team, and immediately they're waived because they were just used to make a deal happen, right, right. for it to be uh, successful. So I could see that happening. Remember, Cash came over from Dallas side. So sometimes when that happens – Usually that signifies, hey, the team on the receiving end is going to wave somebody. But we'll see. But if not, I'm, I'm excited about just the player simply because, David, how much have we talked about over the last year, maybe more so, of wanting to see a real legitimate defender at the 3-4, some toughness, somebody that can really guard his position, all those positions well, right, especially between Brandon Ingram and Zion? Yeah, I think it balances out the rotation. Even if you have to – let's say you split the minutes between Johnson – and Owundu, I think it balances your rotation because you don't have to have an undersized Josh Hart play so many minutes at the three spot. Yes. You can let him play at the two, and his length, his lack of length, and his lack of lateral quickness becomes less of an issue if you have Johnson or Owundu um, out there guarding because Owundu has length and athleticism. Johnson has length, toughness, um, athleticism and can knock down a shot. Um, so I think that, and you, you know, just being another veteran, that's what this team needed with some people. If you were going to send a veteran out, I think you didn't want to have too much youth. Because And also a window's under, under contract for next year at a really reasonable price. So you have time to look at him, you know what I'm saying, before you have to make a decision. And even if you wait, it's not a costly decision. So you have the opportunity to at least hold your defense together and not let the not your not let your team get more bad habits on that end of the floor when you don't have uh, key pieces in the rotation. No, exactly, and and I, the reason I love James Johnson is because we thought we would see a long defender alongside Brandon and Zion in the form of Wenyan Gabriel. Dude's played six games, all garbage time minutes. It's obvious, and I wrote this in the article quickly, is that Stan Van Gundy doesn't trust him. And last time I think we talked to Stan about him and potentially getting to see more, he said he essentially said that. And so that's a problem. I mean, 
you can't have, you know, we, we, we've, we've harped on roster construction. I know David Griffin talked today about possibly, um, well, not possibly, he admitted to failing, right, in, in the, the roster construction for giving Stan Van Gundy the defensive versatility that he requires, that any NBA coach requires in today's NBA. And I think that's directly it. I mean, to have a long wing that can guard at least, what, two through four, three through five, something in that range, mm-hmm. Pelicans haven't had, right, since his reign began here in New Orleans. So that's been a big problem. I touched on it this past summer in an article, specifically pointing out how, you know, opposing forwards have completely torched New Orleans, and nothing's really changed this year, except now some of the guards are torching Pelicans more so than usual, right? So mm-hmm. I don't know, David. But either way... They know what their faults are. At least we're hearing about it. Um, so you've got to think, if James Johnson doesn't work out, and like I said, I don't expect him to move near, at least there's hope for this summer, right? They know where they have to shore up their holes and stuff. And so really the rest of this year is just getting a look at what they have left on the roster, especially this young core. So this leads me to my question. What on earth would you do if you were the Pelicans with Eric Bledsoe? DNPCD. The NPCD. I don't. I, I mean, like, what is the point in playing him? If I am playing him, he's playing on the second unit. I don't because I know Nikhil plays better as a starter. He doesn't come come off the bench well. We can see if Eric. Like, look, you can embrace the six man role. You can be out there, and again, you help people play their natural slots. I can move Nikhil to a three with the second unit if I have to. Put hard at the two and let you still run the point. Um, you know, and do those things and be the guy who penetrates all, you know, um, in those situations. That's what I mean. If you're going to sell him on anything, but you got to tell him, dude, your minutes are going to get reduced. And somebody needs to be honest with him because I can't see a future for him. There's no way you can bring him back next season. If you're the Pelicans and think that his production is going to increase, this is four straight years of declining production overall for Eric Bledsoe. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not a good sign when you see the numbers. And for me, and I commented this, I don't know, weeks ago, that it's, it, it just feels like there's a decline in athleticism, right? Ability. You see him go on drives to the rim. And sometimes he's even got a clear path to the rim, and, and he can't finish. He's always pulling up in kind of what? A circle of about six feet out from the rim and shooting these tough leaning back floaters because that's the only way it seems like he can get his shot off. And so he's not making plays for others. He's shooting these difficult runners. And, you know, his three ball, he's, he's never had a reliable three-point shot. So, really, what has he given you when the defense is not even average this year to me? I mean, I've seen him lock up on certain possessions. We all have. Um, and he, he won that game a long time ago against San Antonio Spurs first week. But mm-hmm. it's been few and far between such instances. And it's the lack of effort for me, David. When he gets burned, I don't see the second and the third efforts. When the Pelicans are in transition, he's just running to one of the corners alongside, you know, the sidelines with his head ahead, looking up at the stands, the rim. And I noticed that three times in the last game in the fourth quarter to where once the Pelicans had a break. So he could have been, you know, had he made a cut to the rim, basically created himself, you know, a potential, you know, target for an easy basket. But he, like I said, he just jogging straight ahead. So it's just clear as day. And and if Reggie Miller is saying yeah. this on national TV, that it looks like his body language is just terrible. He's not there. Oh, my goodness. I mean, how much more confirmation do you need? You saw him. His arms were down on a number of possessions. Just by his, 
just hanging down by his legs, you know, just no defensive stance, whatever. And um, it's, it's just, it, it's tough. I understand Stan not wanting to throw a guy under the bus and not do that to a veteran, but I can't imagine he asked for Eric Bledsoe. I can't imagine that he did that. He asked for this version of Eric Bledsoe, certainly. And there's nothing to indicate that it's going to get better. And you have players that you're trying to evaluate that you need to know what their value is, whether you're keeping them or moving them. You want to know what you can get for them. Um, I, I just think it, it makes no sense. You know what Eric Bledsoe is, and he's he's not of value to you now, and he won't be more valuable in the future. No, and the easy thing is you don't have to come out and publicly say we're benching him or just pointing out his deficiencies, which obviously when Griffin got asked a question on today's conference call, he's not going to outright say he's been disappointing. Everybody knows that. His production hasn't been what almost everybody expected, right, which was a level closer to, even though he's been declining, as you mentioned correctly, that it would have been closer to the Milwaukee product, which would be a serviceable starter. And so I, I just feel like the easiest way to handle the situation, you just start cutting his minutes back. You know, like I said, you don't have to say anything, but let it be performance-based. If you come out, and, and Griff did this, what, about a month ago, saying you need to earn your minutes, well, I think that should apply to everybody on this roster. And it's clear who is giving more effort, who is actually giving more production than others. And I'm sorry, but Eric is not towards the top of that list. So I just think it's a really easy way to handle it. Stan just starts cutting his minutes back, and then you make a move. I really feel like with that starting lineup, Give him another week. Get, send the message to him that look, your minutes are getting going to get start get cut back if we don't start seeing a better version of you. It's really that simple. And and I don't think they need to see anything either because no matter what, this is a team that is. I don't think it's going to get to five hundred. It's just it's it's, Oof, it's too yeah. Hard. What would you say? D seventeen and twelve. They got to finish. Yeah. And I, I it's just it's too hard. It's too hard. I, I just don't see it happening um, with the schedule that they have and just the way that they've been inconsistent. If they do it, fantastic. Like, I'll, I, I'd, I'd be glad to be surprised. But if you're not going to get to 500 and if you get into the play-in and you finish ninth, well, then I'd rather do that. And even if you got into the playoff and finished eighth and got swept, I'd rather do that with the young guys than with Eric Bledsoe. Because I'm even if I miss the playoffs, what it I I don't want to miss the playoffs giving Eric Bledsoe thirty minutes a night. Not only that, in a season that's been disappointing, your focus has obviously shifted right towards right. development. This young core and they're producing. That that's my biggest thing. A yeah. month ago, David, we wouldn't be able to say Jackson, Kyra, and Nikhil deserve a lot of minutes or as many minutes as they can handle. Exactly. Um, and, and within SVG's rotation. Now we can. So I don't understand if they don't make that change, if we don't start seeing that, you know, the sliding scale with the rotation minutes leaning more heavily towards the young guys, then I don't understand what they're doing. No, no, I think you're right. Um, let's look at this Denver game. Uh, Denver made a big, tra- couple of big trades. They get JaVale McGee from Cleveland for nothing, really. I mean, they give up Isaiah Hardenstein, but, you know, a guy that you could give up. Um, was very athletic, a uh, good shot blocker, um, but a, 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 a decent trade there. And then they get Aaron Gordon um, from Orlando and don't lose much again for him. The thing 
for them though is both of those guys are probably not going to play tonight against the Pelicans and that leaves um, a Denver front line that the Pelicans do very well against considering the last, last what they did last season in their first game this year. Right. I mean, usually it takes the players a couple of days to, you know, travel everybody that's involved in a trade to do the travel, get your physicals done, get all the paperwork handled before you can play for your new team. So yeah, I don't expect to see either Gordon or McGee. And, and like you said, that's a good thing because I love this trade or how they Denver Nuggets handled the trade deadline. To me, they were one of the top three winners. If you want to, you know, pick who you liked on how they improved their team coming out of the deadline. And Denver for me is right there. I, I love that, you know, they addressed their biggest hole and concern, right? Jeremy Grant left for the Detroit Pistons and didn't really realize how much they would miss him, but it's been obvious this year. Denver can score with the best of them, but boy, they can't stop anybody and especially have somebody that can guard what, what essentially is the same problem with New Orleans is, is the bigger wings in this league. I mean, it's been a turnstile. Paul Millsap is definitely well beyond his prime. And there's really nobody else in that roster you trust in that role. I mean, Michael Porter, he may be worse defensively than Brandon Ingram, right? right at least right now. So smart, great move. I, I, that's why I kind of wanted Aaron Gordon in New Orleans. That's why I wrote the same piece. I feel like if you put him on a team where there's an obvious pecking order, where there's a real superstar and another great scorer, that there's a really good chance that he's going to no longer be Orlando or Aaron Gordon, who thinks, okay, this is kind of my team. There's really nobody else here um, to where I shouldn't be a number one option. And I'm not going to put as much effort in, def in my defensive side or, or, you know, the smaller things, not force things. I think now that he's gone to Denver, I think we'll see a change in his game. He's going to become more efficient, much more useful. So we'll see, but hopefully not tonight. <laughs> Yeah, and I think for Gordon, too, to get a chance to play with Nikola Jokic, who operates a lot of times out of the high post, and when he does go to the low post, he attracts so much attention, Gordon is going to get opportunities without the ball in his hands to put himself in position to get easy baskets. And with his athleticism and that team, um, yeah, he's going to get a lot of opportunities oh, yes. for easy, easy baskets. And he's going to get looks for threes, and he's been a good three-point shooter the last two years. Especially so, this year. He's, been, he's yeah. been great in catch and shoot, man. Mm. And he's guarded everything. Like, I was reading that he guards um, point guards only slightly less. Like, I think it was he was 24% of the time he's guarded point guards. And he's guarded power forwards 27% of the time. So, if you yeah, can then, do that. Sorry. I didn't mean to catch uh, up. I was going to say, yeah, with McGee, I feel like he just replaces that energy – big man off the bench that, you know, Plumlee gave them, which they, you know, were really missing. Yeah. And he's a shot blocker. And like I said, can run the floor, um, rebounds at a high, high rate still. And then he's also a champ. You have to give him credit for being a three-time champion. He, he And over the last few years, he's not only been a part of those teams, he's been a major role player on championships. Thank you. That's, that's exactly what I think people should take away from all his rings. It's the fact that, he went from a young career to where everybody loved to make fun of him for, you know, all the stupid plays he did. But, boy, he's become a very important piece on a floor for really any team simply because he knows his role and he plays it really well. So, yeah, I love what Denver did. David, I'm curious since we're on the topic, who else did you like at the trade deadline and the moves they made? Like as far as teams. 
Like for me, I also like what Miami did, especially. Yeah, I, I mean, to get Oladipo for pennies on the dollar and not pony up and send what Duncan Robinson or Tyler Hero for Kyle Lowry was a win. It's just a nice, easy chance. And what they're going to, they got Bielitsa from Sacramento. And they, yep. it sounds like they're going to get LaMarcus Aldridge too. Yeah. I mean, Miami played the market the right way, considering their resources. Um, I guess you give Chicago credit for going big. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know how this group is going to match. I just, I, I think, you know, it's easy to say, well, they got two of the guys and they're, they're averaging 20 points a game and, and shooting 40 something percent from three. And, and they shoot it this well. Again, that's not the bulls problem. That's not the bulls problem. You know, teams, they're still the team that gives up a ton of baskets and they're the team that just gave up some toughness, you know? Yeah. And, I think and, Daniel Teese coming over kind of, kind of is actually going to help them. So when you want to play more defensive-oriented basketball and they kept Thad Young, I think they'll be okay enough. I think what the thought process is, right, that it's going to become an unstoppable two-man game between Zach Levine and, of course, uh, Vucevic. I I don't know. I can almost envision something along the lines of what Denver does uh, with Jamal Murray and Jokic, right? Yeah, I I guess it – but it does require Levine to be a better defender. Yeah, but he's, he's given defense. forth he, – he's put forth better effort on that end. Yeah, this year. but, I mean, you give up Otto Porter, you know, who was going to give you consistent effort there. You know what I mean? And you, you, you're right. They didn't give up Thad Young, but Thad Young at some point is going to get older. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he's going – he's having one of his best years of his career right now. So I think that's an outlier um, rather than what you could expect him in the rest. He's always going to play hard. He's always going to produce. But I don't think he'll produce at this level – Two minute, too much further, considering his age and his size. Yeah, I don't. I like the pieces in Chicago, Chicago, because they've got Patrick Williams, who I think is an emerging, and even in his rookie season, a good defender. They kept Garrett Temple, right? They still got what yeah. Val- Denzel Valentine. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of who else they've got, but I, I feel like this team is could potentially climb up to where in the Eastern Conference, fifth or maybe even fourth. I don't know. It just depends is on how the pieces, our- like you said, come together. Yeah, it, it's just if it if it works, yeah, I think they're they're top. They could be a top four team in the East if it works, because Toronto is on kind of shaky ground we're seeing. So if they get back to that level, but yeah, they could they could do that. I don't know if it's a championship team. I don't know. Yeah, but but if you're the Bulls, this is the best you've given yourself since um, you had Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler. In that group. Yeah, I like how Philly didn't also pony up and send, what was it, supposedly like Matisse Steibel, uh, Maxi, yeah, and pick. maybe a pick for Kyle. Instead, they just grabbed George Hill, who I think is yeah. you know, going to give them a lot of what they wanted out of Kyle Lowry anyway. anyway so I, I picked them as another one of the winners for me under the radar. Yeah, they're just asking for steady shooting. That's all they really want is that somebody's going to catch and shoot the ball. And and he can, he's going to be a solid defender. He's not going to turn the basketball over. He's going to make free throws. He's going to be a good locker room guy. And that's what Philly – I mean, Philly can never have enough good locker room guys and guys with playoff experience too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know who's in trouble? Boston. All they did was what? Evan Fournier, right? And I don't think he makes them what, – what is? how does he make them that much better? Get this. I was looking at the Vegas odds. Everybody seemingly went up that made a trade, except for Boston. They went down following the trade when they added Fournier and lost Daniel Tice. Man, oh I think man. you can rule out the Lakers as a as a championship contender now. 
I don't know how they're going to survive. If LeBron misses two more weeks. He's out um, for four to six. Yeah, but people are speculating this guy heals fast, so they expect him back, like, what, three okay. weeks after his injury. Are you going to try to – are think... you going to rush him back? If you're the Lakers, oh, do you rush him boy, back? That would, no, no, definitely not. I hope not. You got to get ready for the playoffs, but I'm just saying, they're going to enter the playoffs, I, I feel like, you know, with, with lack, missing the continuity that you kind of want to be playing at that level – Right where there's a connection with everybody on the court that's going to be seeing minutes in the in the postseason, and of course, what are they going to enter the playoffs as? I mean, some are saying they could even fall all the way down in the play-in tournament. How crazy would that be? Yeah, because I mean, it, soon you're going to be asking Anthony Davis to lead this team without LeBron James, and we've seen that not work. You know, whenever LeBron is on the off the floor, AD is not the same offensive player, and he hasn't been the same offensive player this season in general. So I think it's no, a really he, difficult he, position for the Lakers to be in if he's going to have to run this team for an extended amount of time and you didn't add anything at the trade deadline um, to bolster your backcourt um, and you certainly didn't add anything to your front court to make it more athletic um, to protect AD. Uh, so, yeah, I, mm, I I just feel that they, it's yeah, I mean, there's rumors that Andre Drummond, Andre Drummond's fought out in Cleveland, but I mean, I that the needle that much for the Lakers, right? For me, it's them putting points on the board. They've been fine defensively, even when AD hasn't been out there. So I don't right. think that's yeah. Andre's not going to solve that issue for them. No, it's who creates for AD, who gets him the ball. Because all, all you're going to do now is you're going to defend everybody else and make sure they have no room, just like the Pelicans did. Look, just the, the way the Pelicans defended the Lakers the other night. Is how you're gonna do. They, you're gonna let them. You're gonna say if you're gonna beat us, you're gonna have to beat us shooting threes. Because yeah, and they killed it right from three in that game. And yeah, still they had lost 18 threes, but they couldn't <laughs> yeah. hit anything inside the three point line. They they shot like thirty something percent from inside the three. So if they can't create anything inside, and AD is not gonna be handling the ball like he's not gonna be doing point AD. Yeah. I just I don't, I don't I don't see how he's gonna get his shots. So, David, I, I think we need to touch on, unless there's something else I'm missing no. on, is, we, and we started talking about 29 games left. I want to know what you think of whether the Pelicans can make the playing tournament. If so, who in the Western Conference above them is going to drop out? Hmm. I'll go first since I have given it some thought. And I'll be honest with you, I like their chances. I know you mentioned in the preview article that if they win tonight, It'll be five wins in the last seven games, something they haven't done since a year ago, more than a year ago. Mm -hmm. um, I just like the way they're trending because they're getting positive contributions from a lot more people now. I mean, at the start of the year, it was the bench. You could not rely on anybody to come in. Everything would collapse in the second quarters. Then more recently, it's just been a defense that has just been abysmal. But I feel like over the last three weeks or so, there's actually been improvements everywhere in, in, in the most problematic areas mm -hmm. to where I feel like even though the, the schedule is not that easy, at least not yet, but it, it soon will e ease up. I just feel like with, like I said, with the positives from Kyron Nikhil, Jackson off the bench, you know what you're getting from Josh Hart. And of course the starters, B.I. and Zion looking more comfortable. If Lonzo comes back from this injury and can continue shooting the way he has been and Steven Adams looks fresh, I think they're poised to go for a, a run to where I think they're going to play better than 500. I'm not going to say 17 and 12, but they'll be better than 500 and put themselves in position. And I'm looking at three teams, Spurs, Grizzlies, Warriors. 
they're all playing mediocre basketball. They did not, none of them made improvements at this trade deadline. I think at least one of them is really going to slip coming down the stretch. And I know the Spurs off the top of my head have a really tough closing schedule. Let's talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. From rare dead stock to the latest release, you can find the exact sneaker you're looking for on eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. And with eBay's authenticity guarantee, a team of independent professional authenticators perform a rigorous inspection of the sneakers you purchase before they're sent to you, so you can shop confidently knowing your pair is the real deal. And for the sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. With other sites taking as much as 25%, you're going to have a lot of extra money left for... You guessed it, more sneakers. Check out ebay.com slash sneakers today. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook expert. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. I would put the Warriors as my favorite to drop out. Mm, okay. Why? I, I, I just feel like they're getting to a place where, you know, they're going to be starting Wiseman a lot. I think they're doing some evaluation too. Um, it's Again, they're not trying to make a championship run here. And there's no need to kind of run Steph into the ground. He's not going to win MVP. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's there's nothing for them to die for. And yeah, Steph's supposedly that, missing two more games, but yeah, we'll see how that goes. There's nothing for them to die for. If they start resting him, they start resting Draymond. You know, and start saying like, "Hey, let's let the kids play." What what are we doing? Do we want to do mm-hmm. this whole thing when we're waiting for Clay? You know what I'm saying? Like we're waiting to see what we do this off season. 
we're going to make our run next year. So why are we going to break our next this year, our next this year? It, and you're not tanking, but you're saying, hey, what's the best position for us? We might as well hang in the lottery because who knows what happens. And this is a good draft. Mm-hmm. So we could put ourselves in a position to make a trade and bundle for vets that we want, or we can stay with these young guys that we get at the top and have something for, to build for the future and maybe move play or something like that. You know, like they, they have options. And I, I just think that they'd have more options if they don't make the play in than if they do. That's certainly a good way to look at it. Cause even when they have had Steph, they've had some very disappointing losses. Cause when he's off a little bit offensively, I don't know where you're getting the points. I know Wiggins has shot the ball and played better, especially with Steph's sideline. But for the most part, there hasn't been consistency along Steph. And so that's why they've been treading this whole 500 line the entire season. And you're right. If you push Steph and you push Dre, to what purpose does it ultimately serve just to get into a playing tournament? To where, I mean, you have no hopes of going far, right? Even if you get squeezed into the actual playoffs one through eight somewhere. It, yeah, I, I don't see why it makes sense when you have a young guy that if you think's a part of your core and you want him to become part of your core with Stephen Clay and that's Wiseman, you got to keep playing that kid. You, you know, they, they've kind of hidden him when he hasn't been hurt, I feel like, this season because, let's face it, his, he's been raw and he's hurt more than he's helped. But I think now's the time to go through those growing pains, kind of like, you know, the way we feel about the Pelicans, right? Go with the young guys, finish out the season. What happens, happens. Yeah, and, and then you look at the other two teams with the Spurs and the Grizzlies. The two things that those – I mean, you know, both of those teams are young, so making the playoffs means something to those franchises. You know, the the it, getting those guys in a position to compete for the playoffs. And the Spurs competed really hard down the stretch last season, um, even though they had a long shot to make the playoffs. And then the Grizzlies, again, with, with if they're healthy enough to make a run, they're going to play defense. They're going to play defense. Mm-hmm. They may not be great offensively every night, but they're going to defend. And I think that puts them in more games than it takes them out of. So that's why I would say that they they probably hang on. But that does give the Pelicans room because I don't see the Kings being better. I don't see the Thunder trying to win at that no. kind of, you know, at a real level. The they basically just, be yeah, they basically just shut down SGA for the season. Come on. He, they were winning too much. So, hey, plantar fasciitis. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, the Pelicans have that chance to get into 10. And if they make the playoffs, great. Like I said, fantastic. It'll be good for the franchise. It'll be good for for Zion Williamson. It'll be good for Brandon Ingram. But if they don't, at least do it with the players who are you're trying to find out are part of your future. I'm dying to see Lonzo and Nikhil together with a lot of minutes in the starting lineup. Yep. That's the number one thing I think I want to see moving forward. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I know Nikhil will will drive. I know Nikhil will shoot. Um, and I know he will be active defensively. He does, He's not the greatest going side to side, but he will fight for screen, over screens. He will be active with his hands. Um, and, and that's something that Bledsoe hasn't given. And against a team like Denver, which is not going to give you a ton of points um, in the paint, you can't allow Jamal Murray to, to create stuff for people. You can't allow Jokic to get guys cutting to the basket. And I think that's where mm-hmm. Nikhil helps you um, on a night-to-night basis. I want to see that from him tonight, you know, defensively, um, not allowing Denver to get off-ball action. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, the one I worry about is Michael Porter, man. He, he's got one of the most beautiful jumpers in the game. If he gets going, I just worry about the, like I said, the long scores in this league. You know, yeah, I feel like Murray's going to get his 25. Yeah. Because last game, I feel like the Pelicans won because they did, as you mentioned, it was just really Jokic down the stretch with a little bit of Murray. To me, you can't allow somebody else to get going. And for me, like I said, I'm eyeing Michael Porter. Can't let that guy go for more than 20 points, I think. This has to be another one of those nights where B.I. understands who's defending him, knowing that Porter is not a great defender, Mm -hmm. but also understanding that Porter is hot as hell offensively. He comes into this game shooting the ball very, very well. And he's rebounding better than average, that is that is typical averages right now, these last 11 games for Denver. So you cannot allow him to get confidence early. You know he's a guy who still hasn't played his 82nd game. You know what I mean? So yeah. don't allow him to get his confidence and attack him. Make him work defensively. But do it in, don't do it in the dribbling it around, all trying to make a bunch of moves. He doesn't require that. You know what I mean? Like it's it's pump fakes. It's going to be getting him uh, moving side to side. It's it's going to be just taking that hard dribble and lifting up because he's not great moving side to side. Porter is not a great defender. So if you have that, that's where I want to see Ingram. Like he got thirty six last game. I want I want that same mentality. Maybe not the same production, but that same mentality because he wasn't wasting um, his handle. No, I agree. I... The, the offense was has been so beautiful the last couple of games, just just to the eye. And um, I know a lot of people say, oh, because Lonzo Ball's not out there. Whatever. People always try and interject some stupid comment that doesn't make a lot of sense, doesn't He's explain the situation. He's only missed two games. He's only yeah. missed two games, and the offense has been very good the last six in total. Yeah, I, you could say the offense has been great almost all season in my book, sure. right? Outside sure. of the first week and a half, two weeks. So, no, I, I just – I feel like you've got three more difficult kind of games, right? You've got tonight, Mavericks, tomorrow night, and then the Boston Celtics on Monday, who I don't know if you can almost consider them a tough matchup, but I still do, especially when the game's going to be in Boston, right? So and they can I would score. love to see them go two and one over these next three before they get into, like I said, schedule moving forward. Yeah, I mean, and Boston can score. That's always the thing against the Pelicans is if you can get hot against them, do they try to defend? And they've been defending very well as of late. Let's quickly touch on the Dallas game because that will be likely JJ will be in, at playing in that game because he doesn't have to leave. Mm-hmm. So he's already here. So um, he'll just wait and, and join probably Dallas as they get here, do his physical here. All those things will be done. And um, I expect him to play. The three-point shot was the biggest part of the game when these two teams played last Dallas um, just went nuts, 25 threes against the Pelicans. I think that was the franchise record. Yes. 13 (laughs) of those, 13 of those from Porzingis and Doncic, who got 82 points on 51 shots. And then you add JJ to the mix now um, as a shooter, and they didn't lose shooting from that last game. Um, The Pelicans are going to have to defend the three-point line, which is still something they struggle with. And they can't turn it over, which is something they're struggling more with as of late. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, knowing JJ and what a competitor he is, I don't think he wants would like nothing more than to drop at least 20 points on the Pelicans, show them, hey, this this is what you've been sitting, right? Over the la- on and off the last six, seven weeks, whatever it's been. 
And so, yeah, I, I, I think that Rick Carlisle is going to even allow him and trust JJ because he, he knows the game. So it's not like he has to learn Dallas' system or anything like that. It's pretty simple. Luka Doncic is going to find you, so just get open, right? Run maybe a pick and roll uh, with either him or, say, Porzingis. So he, he's going to probably see playing time right away. And you're right, ugh, the three-point shot. It's, even though Dallas is not shooting that well this year, I want to say they're right around 37 or so percent, which isn't even, I think, in the top 15 in the league. And they were a lot lower earlier in the year, but they shoot so many. And if they catch fire, that that's what you're afraid of if you're in New Orleans. You can play well for two and a half quarters, and then in an instance of three to four minutes, you've lost the, your double-digit lead. And like I said, that's my biggest fear because Dallas will shoot them. They love to shoot them, and they will get hot. And Luca's been shooting the ball better of late too. So thirty-eight percent. Yeah, I mean three for Luca as of as of late. The last. The yeah, last David. Week. We and, and Pelicans have struggled with Porzingis. He he's been on and off all year. Yeah, it seems like when the Pelicans play the Dallas, I mean, he looks like an NBA All Star. So yeah, I, I don't know how they're going to handle the high pick and roll this game. But yeah, it's not a good matchup for New Orleans. No, five games against Porzingis um, since he's joined the the Mavericks, and he's shooting forty percent from three. Um, against the Pelicans, um, averaging about 20 points a game against them, which is normal. That's that's about where he usually is. But it's Luca who goes nuts against the Pelicans. He goes nuts. Um, and and you, he's already having a career year in, in just about every category, almost averaging a triple-double. And, and But against the Pelicans, he's even better. So it's like it's going to be a huge defensive task for the mm-hmm. Pelicans in that game. That's that's really the first time in, in this little span because they've been able to pl- – and, and I'm not discounting what they're doing because the effort is clearly there. If you're watching, you see the effort is better on defense for the most mm-hmm. part. But uh, but you can also say you played a crippled Lakers team, you played the Cavs, you played – you know, the, some of the offenses that you thought you were going to get that were more explosive – didn't end up being what you thought they've contributed to that, but certainly they didn't get the kind of best um, performance from those teams. Dallas is really that, that real challenge that we'll find out because Denver will be incomplete tonight, but you get Dallas on the end of a back to back and that's going to be tough. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping that Pelicans, cause they have had a couple of two days off consecutively mm-hmm. in the last couple of weeks, including, of course, these last two days, that the legs will be fresh enough, that the guys will be inspired enough to play. But as Griff said today, don't expect for Alonzo Ball to play. So it's going to be tough sledding. I don't know. I mean, when you're losing the productive minutes of Lonzo and then you're going with Eric Bledsoe, who's usually in that negative. Yeah, I mean, you, you already got one hand tied behind your back with just that situation. So it's going to take another, you know, incredible performances from B.I. and Zion, which they've been doing, but also the rest of the roster, right? So you can't have any other hiccups. And for that to happen, you know, on a consistent basis, I don't think we can pencil that in yet. No, I think uh, of the two, I'll say tonight is the best chance for a win. Um, yes. I think tonight you can steal this game, uh, go to Zion, feed Zion, you know, attack the inside of, of Denver's defense. Uh, they don't want any part of him. So and and Bi has to control um, his responsibilities against Michael Porter Jr. But this is a game the Pelicans should win. Well, I won't say should. I, I still think it's a toss up, you know, overall. But I think that they can win and, and can win. Know, yeah, let's take advantage. Let's yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Take advantage of the opportunity. This is right. this is one okay. that that and and it's a great again. This is a very favorable matchup with them. They played well against Denver the last two seasons. So let's see if it continues. But the Dallas game that's going to be without Lonzo, and I don't expect him to play in that game either. Not with a hip. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not going to have him like running pull himself out minutes into practice, man. Yeah. He's not close. No. No. And if he wasn't traded, you know what I'm saying? Like, then there's no incentive for people to say, well, they're just trying to sit him. No, no. And, yeah. and Lonzo wouldn't do that. I don't, I just don't see him being that kind of guy to mope and say, I'm not going to play. If he can't go, like, this is a dude who's been through so much injuries wise and knows that that tag dogs him. Um, I think he, he would want to, pl- I think he wants to be out there. Yeah. If anybody that's listening to this conversation and you believe that Lonzo, was ducking, right, the last two games or, or this practice yesterday because of unhappiness with being still a member of the Pelicans or something that maybe Griffin did or just wanting to be elsewhere. Nah, that's not true. And we've kind of tried to say that all year, um, Grub, myself, others, that he's very happy here, and it's obvious. I mean, just, just point out almost any game, and you can see the joy with which he plays with his teammates and he loves them and they love him back. So he's beloved. He's a productive player. He's one of the best players on new Orleans. The situation is perfect for him to where he isn't asked to lead a team, but be more of a supporting role character next to Zion BI. It's it's the the stuff that his dad says. I mean, look, Lonzo hasn't agreed with his dad over the last couple of years on a lot of things. This is one of them. He's very happy here in new Orleans. So I just hope people moving forward, Stop talking about his contract of, okay, well, they're going to lose him for nothing this upcoming summer. Lonzo doesn't want to be there. It's not true, guys. It's just simply not true. I want you to start looking at Lonzo's actual court piece who's earning his right to stay in New Orleans on a team that he prefers. And I also think one of the things we have to remember is he's embracing this role right now. I don't. That doesn't necessarily mean this is the role for him forever. Yes. I think as he continues to evolve, Again, he has played. He hasn't played his his second, you know, completed a second full season of games yet, and he's only twenty three years old. So, he will continue to evolve, hopefully, as a basketball player. And as he evolves, his role will evolve. This mm-hmm. is the role he's been asked to play. He has embraced it as a teammate. We have not seen him run from this role and this responsibility. And people can like it or disagree with it. And I understand both versions. But I'm saying for the team, he's embraced it. And that is something I think that that shows if you're willing to do something that you know um, may cost your value, then I think that that says volumes about what he thinks of the team. I'm seeing him emerge as a leader, David, of late. And we talked about a little bit in our DM chat. I I, want to say it was the second game against Portland. Mm -hmm. But either way, it was a game where he bully balled his way to the rim on a score. Shot a three point three pointer in the fourth quarter near Portland on Portland near Portland's bench, right in the corner. To where he started talking to Mello and the bench, and towards the end of the game, which I, I know I specifically pointed out to you, yep. did you catch him giving the kill uh, a high five, a hard high five, right there on the baseline on some kind of out of bounds play. He is trying to pick up his teammates more. He's being more vocal than I've ever seen him. So I feel like we're seeing potentially another step being taken. That's why I, I really hope he gets over this hip injury and can get back to playing um, because 
it would you would hate to see you know that continuity disrupted because I think we were seeing maybe potentially another step in his growth because you're right you don't write off a 23 year old who seemed to be performing better in certain weaknesses right where he's being more aggressive off a of pick and roll shooting the mid range jumper to the rim right learning how to score near the rim you know you you can see this growth it's it's not you know it's not seismic it's it's not staggering towards very obvious kind of like when point zion became a thing no but it's increments and i'm seeing it and i hope we get to see it soon again and you fix the biggest concern which is the shot the point shot has yes. not gone away he's not shooting 47% right now he's back down to around 38 ball for his career shoot between 30 like anywhere around 38% consistently are you complaining about that? Since the start of February, he's at 42.4%, something along those lines from three. Outstanding. Right. I mean, so, I mean are, are you among the tops in the leagues. So he's 38 to 42%, let's just say it in a regular basis. Throughout a season, that's where he's fluctuating through. I'm not complaining. And he sh- the amount of attempts that he's shooting per game. If you're getting that on that volume, because he's shooting seven threes a game. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm happy with that production. If I'm getting 40% on seven threes, give it to me. Give it that to alone me. is think- worth $16 million a year. That's what Duncan Robinson's supposedly going to get, right? Anywhere from 15 to $20 million on a new contract. And all he does is give you gravity and shoots the three, right? And I feel like and he's Monzo not shooting as many to- as – yeah, he's not giving you other things. Yeah, he's not giving you defense. He's not giving you steals. No. He's not giving you passes. So, yeah. I think the more that Lonzo keeps playing, he's going to develop that gravity. People scream to me, oh, but his three-point shot doesn't, you know, open up the rest of your offense because he doesn't create gravity. Guess what? It takes yet, time people... to create gravity, right? you got to prove yourself worthy of needing to be guarded out there. And yet people happen. were telling you that Melly was still getting respect as a shooter. And Melly was a 31% three-point shooter for the public. Oh, real quick note, now you mentioned Melly. I listened to Bill Simmons' podcast last night. He did like four of them for the trade deadline. And he was sh- shockingly happy that Dallas got J.J. and Nicolo Melly. The reason? He remembers the one Melly game to where he finished out the Pelicans' big comeback against the Boston Celtics here on Sunday. Because of that game, he thinks Melly is a great shooter, and he can foresee him really helping Dallas. Man, Bill How Simmons many shots did Melly make in that game off What's that? How many shots did Melly make in that game? He made if one. You, yeah, you, I think he made like one of five or six from three, right? But either way, it just it killed me that it, Bill Simmons so obviously doesn't pay attention to basketball like he used to, and it hurts the soul. I used to like listen to the guy reading some of his articles because his attention to detail and, and observation were really good. But man, it's it's not there anymore. <laughs> I had to mention it because you brought up Melly, and I laughed to myself last night when I heard him say. That's a great signing for Dallas. I mean, I hope it is. I hope the best for Nico. But, man, what did you say? He's made less threes than Kenrich Williams. Yeah. You went with fewer threes than Kenrich Williams in your career. And you were brought specifically to be a shooter. And there was like a month where Kenrich didn't make a three. Maybe two. <laughs> yeah. So it's like the guy who who you no one expected to be a shooter. Kenrich, I think, shot 30% for his career with the Pelicans. And Nico was brought in to be a shooter, got paid very well to be a shooter. Never took shots, passed up plenty of open looks 
was hesitant as an offensive player. And again, when we when he first got signed, I think this is the important thing to remember is it's not that it was it just you didn't see anything in his profile that said he was going to come over and be a significant player. He wasn't a big time player in Europe. He didn't shoot a ton of threes. His three point percentage was declining over the course of his career um, in the European leagues. He wasn't he only had like two double figure scoring seasons. He just had one really noticeable playoff run where he got an MVP. And yet that was the first acquisition that of, of note during the Griffin era. I see it in Nico's game to where his understanding is great. Um, he gives you the effort. He can sometimes give you, you know, the rebounding and the passing, right? You can see the all-around game that I think the Pelicans saw. But you're right. The shooting, his, his lack of confidence. If you have no confidence, you can't play in the NBA. I mean, it, it's that simple. And he hasn't had it all year. When he's been open, he's hesitated. And when he's been wide open, I mean, some of the shots, boy, they've been ugly. And so, I don't know. Yeah, Nico has been in a funk all year, and that's just not helpful considering that's supposedly supposed to be what he brings to the table. And he just – I mean, last year he wasn't great either. There were just – I mean, there were no, moments. He had, a good two, he had a crazy good two-month stretch, right? Right, but yeah, and then, but he cooled off hard at the end. It was, yeah, I mean, before the got, pandemic, he, he – yeah, he hit the skids. And so, yeah. So, I mean, it just ends up being a disappointment and it'll forever be thought about like, why, just why did you sign him? You, there were other options and it's tough. Well, because again, Nico, yeah. Nico Melli is not a bad dude. I don't want him to act like he didn't try. He did work hard. No, Stan called work. him or somebody, or somebody called him the hardest worker in practice, right? Yeah. You need guys like that. You need somebody that sets that example. But his production did not match his salary. Or, yeah, or even I would say worth his spot on the roster. No, I mean, if you're going to be the three, if you're going to be the the, the the stretch big on the team, and you're not stretching anything nor shooting, I mean, wow, I don't know. That's really hurt New Orleans this year. That's one of the biggest problems I had with this roster. The lack of depth, and David Griffin, like you said, talked about that today. Didn't give the flexibility they need. Well, we'll see what happens this weekend with these two games next week. Again, the Pelicans um, have another tough uh, week to go, starting with that road trip to Boston. But we will probably talk to you next week about that after these two games to round out the home stand. Ali, anything you want to wrap with? No, nah, I don't think so. I think we, we got to a lot more than I thought we would. Our, this pod went a little bit longer than we had planned. So no. Yeah, it did. But I think we covered a good ground. Yeah. So until the next time, he is Ali Cosell. I am David Grubb. Uh, make sure that you find us wherever you get your podcasts. Tell, tell a friend, rate us, subscribe, um, and just uh, follow thebirdrights.com as well for all the great info we have over there. Thanks to our sponsors. And until the next time, let's dance and let's go Pelicans. for listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today some people just know there's a better way to do things like bundling your home and auto insurance with allstate or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself so do things the better way Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate.
Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.